Welcome to the Teach Me Lit podcast. I'm Sophie Tuvey and I love talking about books and helping you to revise for English literature and go deeper in the texts you're studying. Today I'm going to be talking about a GCSE English literature poem called His Father Singing by Leslie Norris. And this poem is one of the set texts on WJC's list for poetry controlled assessment to compare with another poem. Now I previously made a podcast on From Father to Son um, and as I go through His Father Singing today I am thinking about this as a comparison poem really for for that poem so um, if you haven't listened to that podcast um, you may want to check that one out as well so that you've got um, the two poems that you can put together. So His Father Singing by Leslie Norris, um, there's a lot of points of contact with From Father to Son in that the poem is about a memory of a father um, and the persona of the poem relates a childhood memory of his father singing as the title suggests. But as you think about the title of the poem you might want to think about what kind of connotations singing has. When do people generally sin, sing? What emotions do they usually experience? And generally speaking singing is a very positive emotion, isn't it? It's something that we do when we're happy, um, something that we do to express joy. um, And usually singing is something our parents do with us for fun, to teach us nursery rhymes or to comfort us. Now bear all those connotations in mind as you unpack the poem, because they're gonna be really important. Writers love to set expectations for their work with the title. Um, And poets particularly like to do something which is subvert expectations. Now what all that means is that they basically set something up and then turn it on its head to surprise the reader. The first stanza says this, my father sang for himself out of sadness and poverty, perhaps from happiness, but I'm not sure of that. He sang in the garden quietly a quiet voice near his wallflowers, which of all plants he loved most, calling them gillyflowers, a name learned from his mother. His songs came from a time before my time, his boy's life among musical brothers, keeping pigeons, red and blue checkers, had a racing cycle with bamboo wheels. More often he sang the songs he'd learned, still a boy, up to his knees in French mud, those dying songs. Now that first section of the poem um, sets a tone and a mood for the poem that's perhaps quite different to what you might expect. Perhaps with a title like His Father Singing and the use of the infinitive suggests that this is something that his father's doing permanently, like sort of fixed in time. It says that the father sings out of sadness and poverty. So instantly that unpicks the image of singing as being particularly joyful and happy. It says perhaps from happiness, but then qualifies it with, but I'm not sure of that. So instantly we get the sense of a rather um, deeper, darker mood perhaps than we were expecting of this poem to be. When the word quiet is repeated in the second stanza, that's going to become quite significant later on in the poem. Usually singing isn't quiet, it's definitely um, not quieter than speaking, Um, 
And it's going to become significant that his father sings quietly, but I'm going to unpack that a little bit later on in the poem. The persona refers to this family name for the wallflowers, um, gillyflowers, which apparently was learned from his mother. So you've got the sense in the poem of these generations, you know, the families passing on traditions um, down to each other. And then it talks about the father's songs coming from his own childhood. So it's a bit like a, a play within a play. It's a, it, the, the persona is giving you um, the poem, the story of the poem is a memory of his own father. But within that memory of his own father are his father's memories and his father's memories of, of where he learned these songs. So in the father's childhood, he had musical brothers, he kept pigeons, he had the checkers and a racing cycle with bamboo wheels, all of which seem really joyous things, you know, the fun things about childhood when you don't have a care in the world. Then there's the reference at the end of the section that I read about songs he'd learned, still a boy, up to his knees in French mud, those dying songs. Now, I think that's a reference to one of the world wars. Um, And if you look up um, Leslie Norris, the poet, you will get some biographical information about him. And his father did serve in the war. Um, I think came back and ended up becoming a milkman afterwards. Um, But it's interesting that he's still a boy when that happens. So that sense of maybe childhood innocence being taken away um, by the war. And again, the songs there being the opposite of joy. They were dying songs. Um, Songs that perhaps expressed unity of, of the soldiers, but also a way of expressing grief and sadness. Now, having had this this first section of the poem about the memories of the persona of his father and the father's memories of his own childhood, we then go into a different section of the poem. He sang for us once only, our mother away from the house, the lamp lit and I reading, seven years old, already bookish, at the scrub table. My brother cried from his crib in the small bedroom, teething, a peremptory squall, then a long wail. My father lifted from the sheets, his peevish child, red-faced, feverish, carried him down in a wool shawl and in the kitchen, holding the child close, began to sing. Quietly, of course, and swaying rhythmically from foot to foot, he rocked the sobbing boy. I saw my brother's head, his puckered face, fall on my father's chest. His crying died away, and I read on. It was my father's singing brought my head up. His little wordless lullabies had gone and what he sang above his baby's sleep was never meant for any infant's comfort. He stood in the bleak kitchen, the stern young man, my father, for the first time raised his voice in pain and anger, sang. I did not know his song nor why he sang it, but stood in fright knowing it important and someone should be listening. So finally we get to the point in the poem where the father is singing as the title sort of promised us is going to happen but when it happens it's totally not what we expect. First of all this section begins with he sang for us once only. So this is a really 
strangely isolated event in the persona's memory. It gives the impression that usually the father wasn't singing to his children um, and you know it, it's a kind of one one off event that occurs. Now we need to unpick why. Why doesn't the father sing often? Um, and that's going to really link with what happens at the end of the poem. Now the persona is seven years old and reading and obviously has this baby brother who's um, squalling and the father sings the quiet lullaby to get the baby back to sleep but that isn't where it ends because actually the father carries on singing and this time sings songs that perhaps express some very deep emotion that he doesn't normally reveal so what you've got is the child persona relating to you this event that in one sense is a completely normal event you know a child a a baby crying a father hushing the child asleep and then the father singing it doesn't seem to be significant at all but what invests this moment in significance um, is that the child persona understands that something profound is happening they don't understand at the time really what's going on they don't understand the depth of the emotion their father's experiencing but perhaps as an adult with hindsight the the poet is 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 perhaps giving events significance later that at the time he didn't realize or grasp were there. So I want to just pick out a few details which suggest to me that this is a very traditional Welsh working class family. Um, You've got the lamp being lit, um, the scrubbed table, the crib um, and the wool shawl. Um, It's a bleak kitchen and it's a small bedroom it suggests to me typical Welsh working class life you know living in maybe a small terraced house um most of your furniture is is carved from wood um perhaps even passed down in the family you don't have much stuff as it were um and there's this sense of being um in this traditional setting and what makes it really what I think is really lovely about the poem is the father's tenderness is described so clearly, isn't it? Perhaps that reverses or subverts stereotypes about, you know, mothers being the nurturers and fathers um, being the opposite. Because actually the father's the one who's comforting the child. The mother isn't there at this point. So I really like the way that the working class man is presented here as um, a tender father. And what's interesting is that when he begins to sing, he sings quietly. Now, the, re- the repetition of that word in the poem is becoming very significant because this is the third time now we've seen this word. Obviously, on the one level, he's singing quietly because it's a lullaby and he wants to get the baby to sleep. Um, you, don't, you don't sort of um, give a raucous football chorus if you're trying to get a baby to sleep. However, the fact that he's singing quietly perhaps also reflects something else. Perhaps it reflects a lack of confidence or assertion or sense of identity um, and so when he sings in the garden it tells us that stanza two it's quietly in a quiet voice and I'm just wondering if it if it hints at the fact that as a Welsh working class man um, this man feels like his voice has been ignored 
and that his voice has no power anymore. I'm just wondering if those experiences he had in the war, um, maybe coming back after the war, rebuilding your life and your community after that horrendous experience, um, going through so much loss, um, you know, you, you, may, you may well lose your sense of purpose, you may well lose your sense of joy and you may feel like you're part of a system that you have no control over. Um, so I think it's interesting that he sings quietly and then once the child's asleep, um, he raises his voice in pain and anger. And what's interesting is if, if in the stanza, this is in the final two stanzas now, the way that it's um, they use enjambment here, for the first time raised line break there, his voice. And I think that line break um, and then the caesura after voice initially forces us to focus on the fact that he's raising his voice, which mostly we would associate with shouting. Yeah, like if someone raises their voice and tells someone off. But after the caesura, after that pause for impact, it says in pain and anger, and then there's a, a stanza break there, uh, the enjambment continues across the two stanzas in pain and anger sang and then there's a full stop with a really effective caesura there with a really effective pause now I think this is really effective on a number of levels but first of all it emphasizes the fact that he's raising his voice in pain and anger those two key words that give us a hint at the depth of emotion going on here and the, the stanza break there forces us to linger on those uncomfortable emotions, pain and anger. Um, but it isn't shouting because the first line of the final stanza is sang. So suddenly that changes the way we view him raising his voice in pain and anger. We think he's shouting, but no, he's actually singing. The raising the voice is singing, not shouting. Um, and then that caesura after sang leaves that to make an impact before the persona tells us, I did not know his song, nor why he sang it. It's almost as if his father's speaking another language here. You know, he doesn't know the song, he doesn't recognise it. But stood in fright, knowing it important, and someone should be listening. Now, I think it's a fantastic ending to the poem, because in one sense, it's, it's quite anticlimactic. You say, right, this is what the whole poem's about, the father's finally singing, and that's it. In some weird way, no one's listening, and yet someone's listening. Does that make sense? So the, the persona of the poem is the only one who can hear the father at this point. The baby's asleep, the mother's not there. So the persona's the only one who hears this. And he he knows someone should be listening. To me, it's that sense of the father crying out with his pain and anger, and yet, as a society, no one's listening to him. Um, but at the time... The child persona doesn't understand the depth of that, the depth of frustration, the depth of anger and loss, perhaps that this um, the father feels. Um, and I love the way that the child persona's lack of understanding comes across. You know, I did not know his song nor why he sang it, but stood in fright. Um, that, that fear comes from, you know, not knowing what's going on. And, and look at the caesura there. Stood in fright, knowing it important. And that caesura after the word fright, again, lingers on the uncomfortable emotion of the speaker um, and then explains that he knows it's important and someone should be listening. 
it's a very enigmatic end to the poem and it, it isn't particularly clear cut. And as a whole, when you think about this memory of the father singing, you wouldn't really say it was a very positive memory. However, it's an important memory and in writing the poem, the poet is documenting something profound about their own father and in conveying this to us, there is that sense that he is passing down this memory just like the um, the, the poet's grandmother passed on um, the word for the gilly flowers, the wallflowers. Um, there's a legacy passing on down each generation. And so the very poem itself is part of that legacy. I love the way um, that we as readers can kind of see past the child persona's limited perception of what's occurred. And we can use um, the clues, if you like, the poet's given us to work out um, and also make um, suggestions and inferences about what the real story is, why the father is is hurt and angry. Um, and, they, and there's not necessarily a clear cut answer for this. But I love to compare this with From Father to Son because I think there is a lot of point of contact there in terms of both poems have memories which linger on very uncomfortable emotions. And we saw um, in From Father to Son that really uncomfortable feeling of the father's memory recurring constantly um, and being quite unwelcome, like, like a cold and worn tramp in the street. And just as that brings up this um, mixture of, it has to be said, mostly negative emotions, you know, guilt, shame, um, revulsion. Again, this poem, it, it doesn't bring up a mass of, of positive, joyful emotion. And in a sense, it's uncomfortable because of that. But through creating an atmosphere that is maybe tense with pain and discomfort, um, the poet forces us to really experience that kind of amb ambiguous or ambivalent relationship with a father. And I think both poets do that. Both poets convey that the relationship with a father is not simplistic. Um, this isn't a kind of trip down memory lane where you reminisce about better times. It's, it's actually facing the reality of things in your childhood that were hard to understand things that were hard to go through, things that were difficult, um, and shining a, a torchlight on those memories, freezing them in time, and then really assessing your own emotional response to those memories. So the memories of the fathers in both poems say something very profound about the relationship of the father and the persona, which in both cases is a son, but also really are an avenue for exploring ambivalent relationships, relationships that are difficult, relationships that don't have a clear-cut answer. And in both poems, there is love between the fathers and the sons, um, but it's a complex it's a complex situation. And in From Father to Son, there's a definite sense of a missed opportunity, that he misses the opportunity to connect with his father. Um, and in this poem, again, there's a, a bit of a missed opportunity, a bit of a lack of connection there, because it's the baby brother is the one that's being embraced by the father. The baby brother's the one who gets the lullaby. 
And the older child, the persona of the poem, who's, say, about seven years old, the older child isn't the one receiving the song. And so there is that bit of disconnection there, isn't there, that he's the one on the outside, the baby's the one who's being comforted and getting the singing, if you like, and then the singing that he does hear, he, he doesn't really feel he's supposed to have heard it. So there's a sense of disconnect between the fathers and sons in both poems. Not that there's no love there, um, but it does get across the complexity of the relationship and sometimes perhaps those profound secret parts of, a, of an adult's identity, of the father's identity, that they keep to themselves, that they don't maybe share or that are not easy to forge connections with their own children over. If you've enjoyed this podcast and found it helpful, please hit subscribe and share it with a friend. You can find me on Instagram and Twitter. Just search for Teach Me Lit. I'm always open to requests. So if you want me to talk about a text you're studying, get in touch. Thank you for listening. See you next time on the Teach Me Lit podcast.